it seems to encourage others to come through the door, so we'll sing our very best, even as others are joining with us. Everything should be, yes, behind us, so we'll just go through a few of these hymns, please. Our next hymn is the hymn 199, God loved the world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall. Salvation full at highest cost he offers free to all. Oh, t'was love, t'was wondrous love, the love of God to me. And you know, there is no greater love that we could sing about tonight. None other greater than that love of God to us. And I trust tonight, even as we're singing through these hymns, even just at the beginning of our time together, that God will really come and challenge your heart tonight. I trust that you'll give your ear to the gospel this evening and you will be challenged even through what we're singing together. We'll just sing again the first two verses of this hymn, please.
Hymn 202 is our next hymn that we're going to sing together. There's still a few seats at the front for those hanging about at the back there. There's still plenty of room up at the front. I promise nobody bites up here. It's quite all right to come on up. Hymn 202, in tenderness he sought me, weary and sick with sin. next hymn that we're going to sing, and I'm going to confuse the computer man upstairs, we're going to skip on to 334. I always am told by others that I'm always either running late, I am late, or I'm going to be late, so I'm conscious that the time is pressing on, so we're going to skip a hymn and go on to 334. It was down at the feet of Jesus, oh the happy, happy day. And I wonder tonight, will tonight be that happy day for you. I know there's many in this meeting tonight and you've already received that happy day, the day you received salvation, the day that Christ came into your heart. And we trust and we pray and there's been those who have been downstairs this evening already praying for you tonight, already praying for your soul. And I trust that today would be that happy day.
opening hymn tonight is Victory in Jesus. And we're going to commence uh, the final meeting of our gospel mission uh, by singing this wonderful hymn. And we'll stand to our feet as we get the note, please. Please, all the ladies.
That was good singing to begin our mission tonight. And just as we're catching our breath again, I'm going to ask our brother Jonathan Macaulay if he'll come and even open tonight's meeting in a word of prayer. And believer, if you're here tonight, you continue to pray on. I know, as I said, there have been many who have been praying already, but you continue to pray for the loved ones, for the friends, for the family, for those that you've invited, that even God would speak to their hearts tonight. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving, eternal, heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for all your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, most of all, for coming to, into this sin-cursed world and dying there on the, on, the, on the cross at Calvary. We thank you, Lord, for that precious blood that was shed there that avails for our sins. We thank you, Lord, for ever loving us. Lord, we thank you for the love that drew salvation's plan and for the grace that brought it down to man and the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Lord, we thank you for the miracle of that grace. We thank you, Lord, for how uh, a God in heaven could come down into this sin-cursed world even today for wretched sinners such as us. We pray tonight for this gospel meeting. We thank you, Lord, that the invitation of the gospel is still the same as it's been down through the years. We thank you, Lord, that that great invitation, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, as still stands today, and we know, Lord, that they shall be saved. We pray, Lord, that you'll come into our midst this evening. We pray for those that will be gathered amongst us that are still not saved. We pray, Lord, just that they would come and sample childlike faith to the foot of the old rugged cross, and there, Lord, that they would bow and confession of their sins. We know, Lord, that uh, you've promised that uh, those that would come to thee, that would, Lord, that you'll never cast them out. And, oh, Lord, we thank you for that great assurance. And we just pray that tonight, even at the close of this service, will have cause to rejoice over sinners coming to thee. Come into our midst tonight. Bless us, Lord, and continue with us. We pray, Lord, even for the Reverend Park, as he takes up thy precious word. Fill him with thy spirit. Bless him and undertake for him, even for the choir as he sang. For every aspect of, of the service tonight, Lord, we pray that thy, will be on, thy name will be honoured and blessed. We pray this in thy precious and lovely name. Amen. 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 We are going to ask the Hebron Choir if they'll begin to make their way up to the front. <coughs> it takes a little minute or two to get gathered up, so start making your way on ahead. And I'm going to bring the first two pieces in song, please.
thank the Hebrew Choir for coming this evening and even ministering to us in song. We give you a warm word of welcome. Warm being the key word, a warm word of welcome. If anybody's cold, I invite you to come up here because the heat, I think, it just changes at the front there somewhere. It goes up about 15 degrees up here. But we do give you a warm word of welcome even to the final night of our gospel mission. We welcome all those also uh, tuning in on Sermon Audio, Facebook, YouTube and all the various platforms available. We do thank you for not just your attendance tonight but your attendance throughout the entire mission. It is greatly appreciated uh, by those who have made the effort even to organise this mission. As I've said before, it would be a very lonely place to stand up here with nobody but it is appreciated that your presence is with us tonight. There's a few visitors in, scattered all around. I'm not going to make mention. Uh, one special person we're going to make mention of is our brother Ivor. It is great to see him back out with us tonight again. Ivor, it's good to see you, brother. We've missed you, and it's good to see you back with us. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but I know many of you are happy to see him back again, but please don't crowd him at the end of the meeting. Don't just rush all up to him and want to be hugging him and all the rest of it. Just give him a little bit of space. He's still recovering. He still has a bit to go yet, so just give him a little bit of space uh, tonight, please. We are going to sing once more. You'll be glad to know there are no announcements tonight, so we're going to sing once more in our hymn 322. And this is where you all get to take part yet again. You all get to uh, raise your voices unto the Lord. It's a great thing to be able to sing. It's a great thing to be able to praise the Lord. And we're going to do that now. We're going to sing hymn number 322.
We're going to ask the Hebron Choir to come once again and to bring their final piece and song, please.
do thank the choir for being with us tonight. A special word of thanks, as always, uh, must go to Sylvia and to Diane for uh, the work that they do put in with the choir. If you were ever present at a choir practice, you would understand why I'm saying that. There's a lot of pre- uh, patience needed and perseverance, but we somehow managed to get there. So we do thank Sylvia and Diane uh, for all their hard work and that they put in. It is a joy and a delight even to welcome our pastor to our mission tonight. He's been with us faithfully uh, nearly every night, bar one, uh, and faithfully preached the word and the gospel each and every night. So we do thank him for even being with us. We continue to pray for him, even as he sets off to the land of Romania for the next few days. We pray for him and his wife as they would have travelling mercies, and even for the work that they seek to carry out while they're there. But do pray for him now, even as he would come and minister unto us. I say good evening to you. It's good to be here. Thank you, Ryan, for the, the words of welcome. And I give my welcome to you on this final night of the Gospel Mission. Good to see all that are here and a good full attendance in the town hall this evening. Especially glad to have Ivor uh, looking well. Ivor's been on a journey that he didn't expect to be on. And his family's been on that journey with him very much. And uh, the congregation and many other friends We've been on that journey with you as well. <clears throat> We're praying for you, and it's good to know you're making progress and you're getting there. Um, I see you have your coat off as well. Ryan said it's very warm. Can I just maybe ask the question, who is too warm? You see, there's not many. Who is just nice? You've got very high opinions of yourself. <laughs> I, I'm just nice as well. <laughs> um, Sadie, I don't know whether you remember what it was like in the town hall 74 years ago. I know you were just a little girl, whether it was hot or cold, or maybe you can't remember the temperature. Can't remember the temperature, except the spiritual temperature when the Lord visited this place and dozens of people were converted every night as the gospel was preached those years ago. In the Nicholson campaign, uh, many souls came to know the Lord from this town and surrounding district. We're glad to see you. It's a very sad night because it's the last night of a mission. Very solemn night as well, really. I want to just very, very quickly thank a number of people. I want to thank Mervyn, <coughs> who can't be with us tonight. Mervyn isn't well this weekend, but most nights he, he led. And then others like Ryan and Philip, they stepped in as well. And they helped out with the leading. And that was very much appreciated. I want to thank also uh, the... The stewards, the committee that were responsible for giving you a warm word of welcome as you arrived, come in through the door of the town hall. I want to thank those that played for the pianist and the organist and for their faithful contribution, providing the music for this mission. I want to thank the congregation, of course, for attending. Our Hebron church has been excellent in the way that they've come night by night. We've had various singers, including our choir. I always love to hear the choir and we appreciate their ministry tonight. And for all the singers that came, the media team, there's somebody up there operating the PowerPoint, and we have somebody here operating the broadcast, and there's a lot of work goes on in the background to make it all happen. Thank you in the Saviour's name. I want to thank those that prayed and were able to get in that little bit earlier, for those that prayed at home, for some that brought people to the mission. That was a great encouragement to us. And there was a few nights when we had... Visitors here singing 
and tea was made. Thank you, ladies, for doing that. And, of course, for the caretaker, caretakers, it was plural, I suppose, through the fortnight. And we appreciate the, the way that they made sure the heat was on after the first Sunday night when there was no heat on. And they were just making sure that you were going to be warm night by night. And most of all, we thank Almighty God for his hand upon us and the good times that we've had here in the town hall. Now, I want you to turn in the word of God to Matthew 27. <coughs> if you come to the mission and you're not a regular attender at our church or maybe not even any church, I would just like to give you a word of welcome to come along to Hebron when you're free. Love to see you on a Sunday. Good to get into the habit of church attendance and getting out as often as you can. We would love to have you there. And do pray that the Lord will be with us. We have a planned trip for one week to Romania. We're visiting some of the, the people that we work with, some of the projects that we're involved in. Uh, next Lord's Day, we'll be preaching in the Bethany Church in Timishwara. Something very strange is actually happening in Romania at this present time. And that is the, the, the heat is like the town hall. It's actually quite warm. It should be cold, something similar to what we're getting here in Northern Ireland. But if you look at what the weather is going to be, we arrive there tomorrow. It's going to be 26 degrees tomorrow. And then it's going to fall to 21 degrees for probably the rest of the visit. Mornings will be cold, just about 4 degrees. But as the day goes on, there's that little bit of nice weather. So we're looking forward to that. Someone once said when the gospel is preached that it must be preached simply just in case there's someone who is hearing for the first time. I'm not sure if that's the case for anyone here tonight. I'm assuming most of you have heard the gospel. You know your need. Someone has also said that it ought to be preached sincerely just in case there's somebody hearing for the last time. And that could be the case tonight. You might be hearing your last gospel message. And so I invite your attention in these closing minutes of the meeting. We sung a beautiful hymn earlier, Jesus Paid It All. And that's really the theme that I want to bring to your attention tonight as we come to Matthew chapter 27. Just a few verses that I would like to read with you from verse 45 through to verse 50. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. That's what death is when you yield up the ghost, when you give up the soul. And there's a separation between the body and the soul. And that's going to happen to everyone one day, maybe sooner than later. Let's pray. Our Father, we are glad to know as we come to this final meeting that there's still room of the cross. We rejoice that Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture. We rejoice that he paid the price in full that we, guilty and hell-deserving, 
might be set at liberty and find grace in your sight and be saved for time and for eternity. We thank you that Christ is the center of the gospel. He's been the center of this mission. And we pray as we look into your word tonight and preach this final message that the Lord will come by the ministry of the Spirit of God and he will speak to every heart, saint and sinner alike. Fill me now with all the grace that I need to bring this message. Give me the power of God in every utterance and all that is said. Give me a clear mind. Give me an understanding heart. Give me passion in my soul as we preach the glorious message of the gospel of Christ. I ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I have to say tonight that I searched for what message I ought to bring on this final day here in the town hall at the Gospel Mission. And I didn't want to step out of the one day that we've been looking at. From the beginning, we were looking at this one day when Jesus Christ went to the cross. And we have looked at various characters that we come across when the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. And I didn't want to depart from that theme. And tonight, I suppose, in many respects, we're looking at Christ himself. I wanted to be faithful and I wanted to be forthright also uh, to the unconverted right to the end of this mission. And so as I pondered what would be the last word to the lost in this town for this period of preaching uh, in the town hall, what my last appeal would be to the hearts of sinners, my last cry in the ear of the unregenerate, my, my final entreaty to you that you might be saved. I, I felt that I needed to set before you two great things. I needed to talk a little bit about the, the solemn warning about eternity. So important that men are warned about the future. And I'm referring to a lost eternity, hell itself. And I also felt that I wanted to set before you the wonderful remedy and how that you can escape hell forevermore. And that's why we're coming to the cross and the Savior, his sufferings and all that he went through to purchase everlasting life for you and I. We're coming to think about the, the consequences of sin and at the same time the cleansing that we have from sin. Sin will always be the great problem while time remains and the earth continues. None is without the plague and the disease of sin. We are brought into this world as sinners. The Bible reminds us that we go astray as soon as we are born. We walk in opposition to God. We fall short of his glory. We break his commandments continually. And we multiply sin after sin as we drift further and further away from God and deeper into rebellion against him. Sin defiles a man, corrupts his will, perverts his mind, deceives his heart, darkens his understanding. Sin separates a man from God, separates a man from God in time and then, of course, in eternity. Separates him in birth, in life, in death and in eternity. Unless a sinner gets to the cross before he dies... He will enter into the caverns of the damned forevermore. 
and hell will be his final and forever abode. My message is simple. As I think of hell and the destiny of the unconverted and and my desire to earnestly warn you of the consequences of sin, I think of the cross of Calvary and what Jesus Christ accomplished there on our behalf. And I come to the amazing and the wonderful conclusion that everything I deserve as a sinner was brought to bear upon Jesus Christ when he took the sinner's place and he stood in our stead. All that the sinner justly deserved, Jesus bore. All that was due me fell upon him. Isn't that wonderful? All the wrath, all the condemnation, all the judgment, all the anger of God against sin, all the punishment which God had passed upon sin became the possession of Christ at the cross. And so tonight I want to to lead you to the cross of Calvary. I want to take up this, this theme with you. Jesus bore it all. Jesus paid it all. What we need to do this evening is to enter into that region of eternal damnation and note some of the awful realities and the experiences of the sinner in a lost eternity and then observe how these things were meted out upon the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary's cross. And I trust tonight as we talk about these things that that something will happen in your heart. Indeed, that your heart will be melted, that your heart will be affected, that it will be touched by the Lord. And there's four scenes of a lost eternity that I clearly identify on Golgotha's brow. And this is what I want to talk to you about. First of all, there is unspeakable suffering. If you look at the opening line of verse 35 of this chapter, we didn't go back as far as verse 35 in our reading, but it simply says this little phrase at the beginning of verse 35, and they crucified him. We know that hell is a place of unspeakable suffering. If I could lift the lid of hell, which I can't do, but if I could lift the lid of hell somehow and peer into the caverns of the damned and see what's happening there, I know tonight that we would see a place of untold misery and pain. There men cry out in unbearable agony. There they lift up their eyes, being in torments. There they endure the unquenchable flames of the damned. There they weep and they wail and they gnash their teeth in pain. For all eternity the body and the soul will suffer misery and torment. Jesus Christ we know was the greatest preacher on the subject of hell of any Bible preacher. He warns of a place where men shall weep and gnash their teeth in pain. He speaks of a place of everlasting punishment. He speaks of the furnace of fire, everlasting fire, unquenchable fire. He speaks of torments. He speaks of judgment. These are the words of Christ as he describes this awful place. These are fearful realities presenting to us a horrible picture of excruciating pain, unbearable torment, and unspeakable suffering. 
Hell is a place where sinners who die without Jesus Christ are engulfed in that fiery inferno forevermore, in that eternal prison house forever. Can you imagine even a little bit what that suffering is like? Those of you perhaps who have received a burden, especially if those burdens have been extensive, will understand a little bit of what these descriptions are. I was just talking to one of our elders this morning and we were thinking about this, that those who have suffered the pain of being burned severely are those perhaps will best understand what the suffering of hell in its torment will be like. I have met people who have been in the fire through accidents, maybe at work or in their home, and they've gone to the royal, they've spent weeks in the royal recovering from those injuries. Some people indeed died of the injuries that they have received through the fire. And I think those people are best suited to understand these descriptions of what the Bible is talking about. But come with me to Calvary and understand something of the sufferings of Christ. As I look at the cross, I observe the suffering of a saviour. We may not know, the hymn writer says, we cannot tell what pains he had to bear, and that is true. What a description, however, is given in the Gospels of a suffering Savior. I know that he suffered throughout his entire lifetime. He was rejected, he was blasphemed, he was opposed, he was persecuted, he was insulted. All manner of evil was said against the Savior. He was threatened with stonings. But the suffering and the anguish of Christ rose to a climax at the end of his ministry. It increased and intensified at the end. Gethsemane shows his passion. There he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. He was in an agony, we are told. He prayed more earnestly. He sweat as it were. Great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He was betrayed by, by one of the twelve. The disciples all forsook him and they fled. He was dragged before Caiaphas, Pilate over to Herod, back to Pilate again. The Jews blasphemed him. They falsely accused him. They condemned him. They spat upon him. They buffeted him. They struck him with their hands. Pilate scourged him with a cat of nine tails. The soldiers mocked him. A crown of thorns was plaited and pushed into the brow of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nails spiked him to the cross when he was brought to the place which is called Calvary. That place that had been designated for his execution. And there the soldiers led him upon that old Roman cross. And they drove the nails into his hands and into his feet. He was lifted up to die. In extreme pain he was Suspended between heaven and earth. The blood runs down his brow and his face. The blood oozes from his hands and his feet and flows from his lacerated back. He now enters his final agony for sin. Dying the just for the unjust that we might be brought to God. These demonstrate something of the physical, verbal and mental injuries that Jesus bore when he went to the cross for us. But beyond all that the human eye beheld were sufferings far exceeding the outward pain. For Jesus bore spiritual and eternal 
torments upon his soul and his spirit. It's at the cross that the unseen hand of the Almighty touches him. For he was smitten of God and afflicted. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. And now Jesus is being made a curse for us. He is tasting death for every man. He is bearing the sins of many. God's wrath descends. His fury and his indignation is poured forth. The pains of hell seize the soul of Christ. And all that hell means for sinners in its suffering, in its anguish, and in its pain is brought to bear upon the sinless Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. God's eternal wrath against sin is poured out without measure upon Christ, the substitute for sin. My hell, if you like. Your hell in all its deep and fearful and eternal punishment is endured by Jesus Christ in those few short hours as he hangs there upon the cross of Calvary. I just stand back in amazement. And I say, what love, what manner of love he has shown to you and I that he would suffer in such a way. Jesus took the suffering of hell on my behalf. What a savior. But then secondly, as we look at verse 45 that we read, utter darkness was seen at the cross. Look at it there, verse 45, from the sixth hour, There was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. The darkness of hell fell upon Mount Calvary when Jesus died. Now Jesus issues three solemn warnings about the darkness of hell. He did this in his ministry. Did it more than once. At least three times are recorded by the gospel writer Matthew. Matthew 8 and verse 12. The children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then over in chapter 22 of Matthew's gospel and verse 13. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The third reference is chapter 25 and verse 30. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. No ray of light will be in a lost eternity whatsoever. All light is obliterated. Natural light, man-made light, God-given light, spiritual light, gospel light, Christ alike, it's gone forevermore. Peter spoke about the chains of darkness. Jude foretold of the blackness of darkness. In other words, it's midnight forever. This is hell. The hell of the Bible is a place of eternal darkness. Come now and stand on the brow of Golgotha. See Jesus endure the darkness of hell on our behalf. It was midnight in the middle of the day, the sixth hour, and the time reckoned here corresponds to 12 noon. 
at midday, when the sun was at its height, at its meridian, God caused a supernatural thick darkness to fall upon the world. He drew a curtain of night right across the face of this world. It wasn't an ordinary darkness. It wasn't an eclipse of the sun. It was a darkness that science cannot explain. And it spread itself right across the world. There wasn't a city. There wasn't a town. There wasn't a village. There wasn't a hamlet or a countryside. But it was shrouded in thick, terrible darkness. This blanket of midnight that fell at the cross is a warning to sinners that there's no darkness like the darkness of hell. Only once before in the history of the human race did such a darkness fall upon this earth. It was one of the plagues that came to Egypt that we read about in Exodus chapter 10 and verse 21. For three days darkness came. God decided to allow the darkness of hell to rest upon that land. This is what it says in Exodus 10 verse 21. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out thine hand toward the heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Can you imagine the deepness and the density of a darkness that you could actually touch? Such was the darkness that came to Egypt. It could be felt. It was so intense they could see absolutely nothing. All they could do, the Bible tells us, was to lie in their bedrooms, upon their beds, for three days and three nights until this darkness passed. But Jesus bore this darkness for us. He endured the darkness of hell on our behalf. Thirdly, as we look at verse 46, there's unparalleled separation. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? My friends, I want to put it to you tonight that this is the hell of hells, if only you could know it. Hell is a place of eternal separation and eternal isolation. There is no separation like the separation of hell. There is no loneliness like the loneliness of hell. You were cut off from all companionship forever. From friends, from family, from loved ones, from the people of God, from the holy angels, even from the rest of the damned. It has been said that every cell in hell is built for solitary confinement. Oh, the fool laughs and, and says, I'm going to have plenty of company in hell. And if that's where my friends are going, that's where I want to be. What foolish nonsense. If anyone even thinks that way, there are no reunions in hell like there will be reunions in heaven. Praise God, the people of God, the family of God, are going to meet one day on the bright shores of the new Jerusalem, heaven itself. But there's no such reunions in a lost eternity. The darkness is so dense you can't even see. The pain is so intense you never think of others. You never speak to others. You never communicate to others. But the worst experience, if a man only knew it, is separation from God himself. Our sins demand and our sins deserve 
to be separated from God for eternity. And this will be the experience of lost souls. God's presence is not known, is not felt, is not sensed in a lost eternity. And when Jesus says on the great day of judgment, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, the Bible says these shall go away, away from the Lord, away from the presence of God, when he says, depart from me. Well, my friends, see our mediator, see our beloved Savior, the beloved Son of the beloved Father, on the cross of suffering and shame, experiencing this separation of hell that we deserve. Hear him as he cries with a loud voice from the very depths of his soul as this, is, this word is pushed out from the very depths of his being. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What's happening? Jesus is bearing that eternal separation from the Father forevermore on our behalf. No wonder it made the earth to quake and the rocks to rend. He didn't say, why am I scourged when he was beaten so frightfully? He didn't say, why am I spat upon when they spat their filthy saliva into his lovely face? He didn't say, why am I mocked by the people I came unto? Or why am I nailed to this cross of shame? No, my friends, he didn't say that. Nor did he say when his disciples turned they're back upon him. Why have ye forsaken me? But the moment his father stood at a distance and hid his face and withdrew his presence, there comes this cry from the depths of his soul. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It is Jesus undergoing the experience of unparalleled separation on our behalf. Oh, what a savior. Can you see what's happening here? Can you understand it? Can you take it in? That Christ would do all this for you. And he would endure the separation that you and I deserve forevermore. And so endure it there upon the cross of Calvary in a most intensive way. One little thought that I want to close with. And I want to, to turn just for a moment to the Gospel of John in the chapter 19 and verse 28. As we think about this subject tonight... Jesus paid it all. I want you to see in the fourth place that there is unquenchable thirst. Unquenchable thirst. John 19 and verse 28. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Amidst the untold suffering of a Christless attack, a Christless hell, the pain, the darkness, the awful separation. There is this unquenchable thirst. The rich man, in Luke chapter 16 and verse 24, he cried out, you remember, for a drop of water. He was experiencing this unquenchable thirst. Send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I'm tormented in this flame. There is no thirst like the thirst of hell. Some of you have been a little thirsty in this life. 
but it's not the thirst of hell. Talking about the heat, maybe during the mission you felt a little bit thirsty. When you go to Romania in the middle of the summer, it can be very warm as it was, unusually warm in its 40s in the summertime when we brought a group of young people there. And I know that whenever they were doing activities outside in that heat, maybe playing football with some of the young people, they thirsted. What a thirst that is in the intense heat. I know there's a thirst to be experienced whenever a person is dying that so often is experienced by the dying person. I've been there, I've, I've seen it, and maybe you have as well. When the lips become parched and the mouth is dry and there's a terrible thirst and all you can do in those dying hours is just to wet the lips perhaps with a little drop of water. They, they can give you a sponge on a, on a stick and you can, you can do that just to help your loved ones when they're passing from this scene of time. That's an awful thirst. But there's an awful thirst in the Christless eternity, men and women. What we experience here on earth is nothing in comparison. From the feverish, parched lips of the dear Son of God, there comes this cry. It's the cry of hell's unquenchable thirst. He's enduring this experience on our behalf. Everything, everything that we deserve because of our sin, Jesus Christ bore it on the cross of Calvary. And tonight as you gaze into the suffering of hell and into the darkness of hell and into the separation of hell and into the thirst of hell, I say to you, you make haste to the cross where Jesus bore your hell on your behalf. He tasted these experiences for you so that you would escape them forevermore through his wonderful salvation. I tell you tonight, there's no love like the love of Jesus when Jesus Christ would do all this for you. Do you sense it? Do you feel it in your heart tonight? Is your heart touched at all as we think of what Christ endured for us that we might be redeemed and saved forevermore? I would say to you this evening, come to him. If you're not saved, if you're not a Christian, you come to him the Savior that loves you, died to save you, went to the cross, bore your hell so that you would escape. You come to him at the end of this mission and flee to the cross of Christ and know your sins forgiven. That's what you need to do. I trust that you will. Let's pray together. Again, I thank you for being part of the mission, thank you for coming. Some of you very faithfully. Some have been here every night of the mission. Some unconverted people indeed have attended so well. And we appreciate that. But you know, we want you to be saved. We make, make no apology for that. We love you in the Lord and we come to the town hall just to preach a message that Christ Jesus came into the world to, to save sinners. Came to save you, man, woman, young person. Is it not time to get right with God? To stop putting it off? We're right at the end of the mission. The two weeks will almost be gone and gone forever. You're not going to retrace one step of this past two weeks. Not one. It's gone. The opportunity's gone. Preaching is gone. We're almost through with tonight's meeting. What will you do? What will you do with Christ? It doesn't matter what you do with me or with the church or with anybody else that's here. What will you do with Christ? Will you receive him?
or reject him. It's as simple as that. What will you do? May God give you help and grace to come to the Savior. Just as we're bowed in prayer, I want to make this appeal to you, to your heart again tonight. If there's anyone here and you're troubled about your soul and you would love to know your sin forgiven, you would love to know it's well with you forever, that you are delivered from sin, delivered from hell, and you're going to heaven one day, you need to be saved, you need to come to Christ, and we want to help you. And I would say again to you tonight, if we can be of help, stay behind. Wait after the meeting. I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand, stand to your feet, come to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm just going to say, listen, it's time that you got sorted out and got right with God. And this is the last opportunity as far as this mission is concerned to do that. Will you come? I leave that appeal with you, that desire of heart with you. Come to the Savior. It's his invitation for he says come. Will you? Heavenly Father, bless your word. Thank you for a wonderful Savior who took our place. Thank you that Jesus paid it all. It's all to him that we owe it. Thank you that he endured all these horrific experiences on our behalf. When he hung there upon Calvary's cross. So that we might be delivered from them forevermore. Lord, make Calvary. As the choir sang tonight, make it real. Make it real. And may there be a seeking after Christ, the wonderful Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. We do have a closing hymn. It's 232. O sinner, the Savior is calling for thee. Long, long as he called thee in vain, he called thee when joy lent its crown to thy days, he called thee in sorrow and pain. You know, he's still calling. He's calling you tonight. Will you come? Will you turn? As the, the chorus says, while the Saviour in mercy is waiting and stay for the harbour light. Or how do you know what your soul may be drifting over the deadline tonight? You might be here tonight with a Christian, Christian that's concerned for you, loves you, would love to see you saved. You can say to them, I would like to get right with God tonight. And they can help you. They can bring you to see me afterwards or any of the elders of the church that are here. Any of the Christians here would be glad to talk to you, I'm sure. You can stay in your seat. You can say to me at the door, I would like to talk to you. I have a couple of the copies of The New Beginning. If anybody would like a copy, I'll bring them to the door. Uh, this is a very plain uh, booklet that shows you the way of salvation, how you can be certain about it. And if you want to take a copy of this, I've only got a couple with me. Uh, please do take one tonight as you leave. O oh, sinner, the Savior is calling for thee. Let's just stand to our feet as we sing.
It's the Savior that's calling. That spirit that's working in your heart tonight. The Savior is calling. With stretched out hands. Hands that have been to the cross. Hands that have been nailed to the cross for your sin. Jesus is saying, come. Will you come? I pray you will. Heavenly Father, bless your word. The voice of this preacher is silent now and the mission is over. But we do pray for that compelling power of the Holy Spirit to bring sinners to Christ. Should they do nothing else this night, may they seek the Lord. Separate us with your blessing. And Lord, may we all meet one day at the right hand of the Father in heaven through a saving knowledge and interest in Jesus Christ, in whose name we now pray. Amen and amen.